you're enjoying Racing World, it's brought to you by Perspective Group. It's your global motorsport podcast show brought to you in conjunction with Race Control Magazine. Welcome to another edition of Racing World. This week, however, we're doing something slightly different. We're coming from Lucas Oil, Western Spring Speedway, the final night of the season, Legends Night, and what better? Two legends with me here. Mr. Nick Brown, the host of the show at Western Spring Speedway, and Graham Graham Legend. Graham Standring, a legend in his own right. 100 feature wins to his name, and many, many other things. Gentlemen, welcome to to the show. We'd like to say 100% success rate when he's on the track, but... (laughs) There's about 9,000 races, he got 100. You will have seen them this year on our sister channel, Western Springs 2022. Uh, You can check that out on YouTube, uh, and we'll have a link in the description below for that. First of all, guys, looking back at the season at Western Springs, Graham, it's been a hard season, but it's been a great season, hasn't it? It has, and what's been particularly hard are the long gaps between the meetings that we've had, and it's like each time we come here, when we're driving in tonight, we hadn't been here for four weeks, five weeks or something, it's like a new meet, new season, you know, it's just, it's very difficult to, um, for the guys, I'm sure, to, to keep that, um, their, their, their development, their, their transition from one week to the next and improvements, etc., when, when there's such a big gap between it. So that has been hard, but in saying that, when we had three races in a row, um, the guys really put it on. The track was excellent, the racing was fantastic, and we just can't wait, so there you go. Yeah. Nick, there's something pretty magic about this place, isn't there? Absolutely, uh, and I just want to point out the the amount of energy that's gone in behind the scenes, because it has been a really trying time, just getting uh, clearances through COVID restrictions, not only to you know prep the track for the drivers to come along, but to actually make this event happen. So there's been an enormous amount of work and goodwill that's been passed on through this place just to keep the racing out there. And the racing, like Graham says, has been unbelievably good this season. Yeah, I think even though at times, you know, we haven't had the crowd here because of the whole COVID restrictions thing, um, certainly people who have watched the stream or watched the, the show on domestic television in New Zealand have, have witnessed some of probably the, the best racing we've seen in a long time, haven't they? I think that that's a fair comment. I mean, certainly the, the previous two seasons, uh, and, and maybe part of it is the attention to detail in prepping the track and the, the fact that because there, there is no crowd here um, at the time, the drivers have almost had uh, um, a, an input into how the track prep's gone, have responded really, really well to it. Graham, for people who don't know, you obviously took out 100 feature wins in, in midget racing here. What was the pull back in the day for you about racing a midget over, say, maybe going to a sprint car or something like that? Um, Really, I'd been coming to the Speedway since about four or five years old, so um, I, I, the midget car in New Zealand, the midget section, was always the prime primary section, so um, I was opportunity enough to, or had the good enough opportunity to start racing in the 83-84 season in a TQ, and never actually thought that I'd ever race a midget or something, even though I used to collect the tear-offs from what was thrown off and put them, <laughs> race down the hill of my trolley at home and pretend to pull tear-offs... Uh, um, trying to be these big guys, but midget racing was was it, and I truly never believed that I'd ever do it, but um, things unfolded, I got a TQ, thanks to the Horriman family, and then um, got lucky enough to get a drive in a midget by Ray Alec, who saw my potential and, and offered me the drive in a midget car, so um, that was, for anyone that's watching, um, it's really hard to explain, but you just imagine yourself as doing these things. You imagine all this stuff, and, and for it to come to fruition, for you to actually do it, 
is, is huge. So far as sprint cars, when I started racing, sprint cars were good, but they weren't as um, a priority class like they perhaps yep. have become yep. more recently. And so midget racing was it for me, and that sort of, um, like I said, from a very young age, there was no sprint cars. It was all midget car racing, so everything was midget car originally, midget car racing. And as much as I could follow it in the US at the time, um, the step to get to Indianapolis, not that that was ever a dream, but it was through midget cars. Yes, Then um, wingless sprint cars, then silver crown cars, and the silver crown cars were actually the Indy cars back in the 40s and 50s. So there was a natural progression there. And, you know, somehow, even as a youngster in New Zealand, there was an element of belief (laughs) One day, one day maybe, you know, if I was good enough. You can take um, on the world. Yeah, I could, I could be a world beater. <laughs> oh, you're still um, thinking that too, yeah, aren't you? <laughs> I am, not the case. But I'm um, certainly pleased with what I've been able to achieve. And in particular, my passion for the Speedway is in, um, to be honest, I'm still very passionate about the TQ section. It's an absolute fantastic feeder class, I believe. Yeah. And um, then the midget cars, where the racing requires a lot more finesse and a lot more on the edge as opposed to sprint car racing and my perception of it is where the wing has a has a bigger effect on the car than the actual driving not the case of course um you know if you can get everything right with the wing scenario obviously you're going to be as good as donny shots or whoever um steve kinzer or anybody there you go so I, I just love midget car racing and i was very pleased to be able to achieve what i did with it I know, I know for me, you know, I was obviously born in Wellington and, and we used to come to Auckland at, at Christmas times and it was always a treat to come to Western Springs, even though we went to our local speedway in Wellington, Timaru, uh, which was very much a stock car and saloon car facility and a couple of times we had people like Foyt and, and you know, Mel Kenyon and that visit and we saw these midgets and they were, you know, inspiring things that you saw that they raced in the US and, of yeah. course, Dad would bring us here, uh, you know, every Christmas time and we get to see you know, one night at the Springs but now there are so many good nights at the Springs it, it really still was this uh, amphitheatre that is like no other in this country for Speedway. You're right, it's an unbelievably great track. I've been to a lot of Speedways up and down the country um, and there, there are bigger, faster, wider tracks but nothing is more exciting than there's a real cauldron of intensity that you get here at Western Springs that I've just never noticed anywhere else. Yeah, and, and obviously over the last few years it's been surrounded by, we'll call it council politics, and we <laughs> won't get into the show at the moment, but the, the bottom line fact, I guess, Graham, you're probably more valid to speak on this, is this speedway is as good as anything that you'd see in the States. I remember being in the States a few years ago with you, and we were a couple of tracks over that course of that tour. This is as good as any of that, isn't it? Absolutely. The track itself is um, probably as a question mark as so far as the surface goes compared to the width of it and that because it's a multi-used stadium. Yeah. But everywhere I went and everywhere I raced in, in the United States, Australia and throughout New Zealand, all the talk was about Western Springs, Western Springs. Western Springs has just got a certain magic about it, a certain something that everybody would like to compete here. It was like, I remember um, going and racing at Ascot for the first time I think it was two or three years before it closed, and it was Ascot, Ascot. Wow, imagine going to Ascot that I'd read so much about and heard so much about, and got there, and to be honest, was underwhelmed. It was like the track was there, but the rest of the place didn't have that same um, sort of, like you said, amphitheatre thing about it. And it just, while it was good, all the rest of it, no question, but Western Springs is magic. And I remember as a driver coming here the first night of each season, 
you'd get the flutter, the heart would flutter. You'd get that sort of, whoa, we're going to Western Springs. We're actually going to go racing. And it was not that I got it anywhere else, um, but just Western Springs. There was something special about performing here at, in New Zealand at Western Springs. Well, for those of you watching, you're watching Racing World. This is a special that we're bringing from uh, Lucas Oil Western Springs Speedway on Legends Night. Don't forget to share, like and subscribe to the channel. You can check it out also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the audio platforms and of course YouTube if you happen to be watching it here or anywhere around the world. We really appreciate the time that you take out of your day to watch the show. Talking of legends, obviously you're a legend in, a, in your own right uh, and we're well aware of that and 100 feature wins is outstanding. Uh, Michael Pickens just clicking over 200 feature yeah. wins. But for you, what are some of the legends that have made Speedway for you, particularly at this place maybe? Yeah, well like I said, I came from when I was four or five years old. My mother used to work on the gates taking the tickets and stuff like that so I'd sit here. And a legend for me, my first legend was um, Bob Tattersall. I mean, he was just sensational. And prior to the meeting, some of you may not know, we, the stadium used to be quite different. It used to have what was called a cycle velodrome around the outside of the track here at Western Springs. So it was actually a dish shaped, just like a dessert bowl. And Bob Tannisall would warm his midget up prior to the start of the meeting around the concrete there, and he'd have a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> I kid you not. And when the cigarette had burned probably to his lips, he'd flick it out. And boy, it was a show t to see he would light this midget up and slide it around the banking, millimetres away from the, the wooden rail at the top. And it was like, whoa, he'd only do three or four laps. But <laughs> that was enough to get me down the hill. So that trolley. was obviously before health and safety came into play. <laughs> Correct, yeah. And then um, as the eras progressed, I mean, people go and more people come. In, and for me, it was like Sleepy Trip was an absolute legend. Yep. Won the 50-lapper, I think, so many times with Danny Lendich here came back year after year with a different group of Americans. And so he was a legend in Western States, um, in, in America and, and all the USAC stuff, but absolutely in New Zealand. His name was synonymous with one of the winningest ever drivers. Um, then um, we had Mel Kenyon here. So Mel Kenyon, like everybody in the United States knows Mel Kenyon. He raced at Indianapolis. He did all these things. He was another guy that came here with his one hand with no fingers on and a yep. pouch that he'd put on the steering wheel and, and drive it like that. He was a sensation. And more recently for me it was um, guys like Jerry Coons and um, Jimmy Sills yeah. that came and raced. Jerry Coons, USAC champion. All these guys all these guys were at the top of their game and they came here and, and they sort of had an air of confidence about them that, that we could try and replicate but certainly could <laughs> never get for the amount of racing that they did. And um, yeah, so... Jerry was a, a great guy, so yeah, you know, yeah. just yeah, he's very good, good people as well, I think. Some Kale is racing now as well, yeah, you know, so there's another well. generation. Yeah. And yeah. uh, Nick, what about you? Legends, obviously there's a lot of domestic legends as well, isn't well, there? And, and that's where it is for me. I was a, a, like a latecomer to Western Springs. Like I, I live locally and uh, the cars were racing one night in the early 90s uh, and no one else in the house wanted to come down, so I walked <laughs> down the hill and honestly, for the next 15 years, I'd come down here every Saturday night and just sit I'd actually sit as close to the, the racetrack as I could <laughs> I got told three or four times by the um, security people to move back suck off a punishment eh? yeah well it was kind of like you know you guys don't know how exciting this is you idiots um, so uh, and then we got to fronting the TV show and I've been here uh, ever since and I just love the place but you're, you're right it's uh, I, I missed the golden era of what Graham's talking about of the big legends that come over um, names that stick with me is when Donny Schatz turned up yep. you know, yeah yeah to, to actually see him and then 
uh, retrospectively find out about just how important this guy is, and then to see Jamie McDonald knock him off one night uh, <laughs> on a um, time trial around the track, that was unbelievable. Um, but local drivers, uh, Kerry Brokus, uh, the ones that really stick with me are um, Alan Wakeling yep. and Kerry Jones. Uh, when I first started coming down here, those guys in the sprint cars, even if you missed the first part of the meeting, you would pay your money to come through the gate just to watch the sprint car feature with those two guys on. Because um, I know they're, they're actually really good good guys, but yep. everything got chucked out the window and you would pick who, you, who was going to be your champion. But the more I came down, the more I started to enjoy it. Enjoy it. I mentioned uh, uh, J-Mac before, uh, but Michael Pickens. I remember when Michael Pickens and the 54 Little Rippers midget, mm. and I remember setting up uh, in Town Bend and listening to the right rear buzz on the concrete <laughs> and thinking, man, this guy is giving it 10 tenths. You know, yeah. there is absolutely nothing being left to chance here. These guys really throw it out. They, they you know, the, the standout factor is the racing is hard. Yeah. It is hard. You know, it's, it's different to so many other forms of motorsport racing. This is hard out. And, Graham, you, you, you would know that. You once described to me what a lap was like, and it was basically 14 seconds of hell, really, wasn't it? <laughs> it is. It's, it's unbelievable how a lap is. You know, we break it into six segments, four turns and two straights, and for each of those segments, you're in there about 1.5 seconds or... Or two, <laughs> two seconds or something. And so by the time I've described a lap, I could have done a 50 lap or almost, you know. But um, Michael Pickens, I mean, he's probably going to be the GOAT, the yep. greatest of all time. Yep. He, he, I remember him coming up through the ranks as a youngster, and it was a bit of a, oh, yeah, whatever, um, as you do when you're sort of further up the scale than Michael was. And then all of a sudden he got good, and he passed me, and then he'd crash, and then he'd pass me again, and he'd nearly crash. And then he passed me again and he nearly lapped me. So but he, I love how you're the template of how good yeah, Michael well, Pickens is. He, yeah, no, not really. So Michael Pickens owes everything to you? <laughs> no, he does not. No, not at all. But certainly, um, like we all did, we all looked at the guys that were at the top of the yeah. chain and, and we started there. So from my perspective, when I started racing, I looked at the guys that were the best. Ted Tracy was another of my yeah. heroes yeah. and local hero, you know, Barry Butterworth. So I looked at what I needed to do to beat those guys. I didn't look what... I needed to do to start where they started I started from where they were and so I had that much more time on my side to start from there and, and go to the next level and when Michael started he looked at I, I hesitate to say myself but other guys that Michael Kendall guys like that mm, were yeah. really good and he started there and so he progressed from there and so he's taken it to the next level other guys um, Shane Alec Shane yeah. Alec had been around a long time Shane's an expert he was and a lot of people learned a lot off Shane um, and Brad Mosen's another... It's sort of family of, heritage, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. In many ways, in the case of the Alex. And now, as, as crazy as it seems now, we've got a new generation of guys coming through. Max Guilford. Oh, yeah, Max um, is Aaron just... Aaron Hodgson, who's now taken over the Shane Alec drive. People like that, are, and um, Hayden Williams, I, I forgot to mention him, but people like that now are just coming into it. And as you can tell, I get really excited talking about it. I just love it, eh? Well, we talk about legends. My my three that came to mind when I started thinking about it are current generation. Yeah. Um, and that was, well, one of them's sadly not with us anymore, and that was Tony Elliott. Oh, yeah. He spent yeah. a lot of time down yeah. here. I know his sister-in-law, uh, Susie, very well, who works at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, um, you know, Tony was always a, a, a great gentleman whenever we had the chance to work with him, both here and when I saw him in the States. Uh, and, and a great driver and great benchmark. Then the two more current generation, if you like, 
Christopher Bell, who we were all quite in awe yeah, of a yeah. few seasons back yeah, down here, awesome. and now he's progressing, you know, outside of the midget ranks into, you know, NASCAR and all that that'll have for him. And then the standout one, obviously, Kyle Larson, who's had a checkered career, but he is a now a NASCAR champion, and yet just four years ago we saw him here at Western Springs. But yeah. more than that, I mean, someone like Kyle Larson races in NASCAR but still finds time to jump into a sprint car and, and a midget. Yeah, yeah, anything with wheels, those guys are keen to drive. But I want to point out something here. at Western Springs, certainly in the since I've been coming here, when Christopher Bell does come down, when Kyle Larson, they don't always get it their own way. Oh, no. Simply because the quality of racing that we see here at Western Springs and the local guys coming through, um, really, they step up another level to when, when we have like real world-class champions coming and, down. And it's not a case of home track advantage, so to speak, because those guys are racing hundreds of races a season yep. in the US. So track advantage doesn't necessarily come into play the level of competition that fans get to witness here in New Zealand, particularly at this place, is bar none. It's, yeah. it's at, yeah. of that level. It's not, well, oh yeah, we live down in the South Pacific where, you know, finding our feet sort of thing. We're as good as anything that you would find in the US, and that's not putting the US down either. No. No. And, and proof of that is when Michael Pickens and, um, and Hayden Williams have gone to the States, even Graham Standring, uh, yeah. when he was racing in the States, he pulled off uh, a yeah, feature win. Yeah, I had two feature, win, feature wins over there, yeah, which was huge. Barry Butterworth was the first um, New Zealander to win a, a USAC feature, and I was the um, second non-American to do it. And now Michael's, I think he's been there and won a few, but I think what was the real leveller to bring New Zealand drivers' standard up was the availability of the equipment. And um, when we talk about the guys that I talked about, Kenyon and Tattersall and those guys, they had much better equipment that was not available to us here in yep. New Zealand. Yeah. Ray Alec started building stuff here that was close to, and if not as good as the stuff. But now we can go online, we can get whatever's required to have as just as good equipment, um, and I mean the engines and mechanical bits and pieces, to make a car as good. We have our own frame constructors here in New Zealand now. And they're pretty Tim good Clark, too, yeah. yeah. Um, Justin Inslee, the King chassis, they make absolutely fantastic chassis and even Kyle Larson was using the, um, the King chassis for a while. So when you start levelling the equipment level out and the fact that we're all humans, um, we've actually gotten really, really close. The team, team game comes into play as well. It yeah, does, very and much that, so. that's probably the next thing I was going to say. Once upon a time when I started racing, it was not uncommon for... It was very uncommon to have a team of cars. The guys were all owner operators, as such, like myself. Yeah. And um, now, the, the top teams, as such, are, are three or four car teams, similar to say Keith Coons, for example, who's yeah. a multi-car team. Yeah. And from that, they can share their knowledge and they can get better and better. And so we have the situation now where there's less owner operators, more driver and team owner situation. So the whole dynamic of it has changed. But um, I liked your comment about Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell are the only guys that I'll get out of bed at four in the morning to watch them <laughs> race in the NASCAR race. Yeah. And the only other time I get up to watch something in America is the Indy 500. And I'll, I can't wait for someone like um, Roger Penske to say, hey, Kyle, what about <laughs> having a shot in one of these things? Because I certainly believe he's There's already been of talk of it. There has been I talk know, of it. I know. Yeah. I you know how close to IndyCar I am. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a guy that we didn't mention who came down here and, and clean sweeped was um, Brian Clawson. Yep. Oh, yes. Another legend. I mean, we could just go on and on about Actually, these I want to make mention of uh, one guy who is a legend because uh, picked up the NZ number one sprint car uh, and then retired that because um, he oh, couldn't yeah. make it down the next year, uh, Peter Murphy. 
Yes. He's, um, and I'll, I want to make a, a little personal comment about Peter Murphy. One of the nicest guys I've ever met. Apart from Jonathan Allard, who... Oh, no, he drives for Peter drives Murphy. Drives for Peter he? Murphy, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, Pete uh, has been, especially for me, you know, knowing nothing about the sport before I got involved with this, uh, imparting so much knowledge and uh, also being very forgiving when I do something really dumb. And every now and again, I hear from him in the States for no particular reason apart from just to say hi. So, hi, Pete. Uh, yeah. It's... Um, you sadly missed down here. I'd uh, love to see you back anytime you want to come because the track's still here. We've got gear, can travel. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> I, I did an interview with Peter Murphy. Um, the first season he came back to New Zealand after his horrendous accident in the US. I love Peter Murphy. He was a character because he was sort of Australian and New Zealand. and I don't know what he was, but he was, he was <laughs> certainly a character. And um, he came down here and we did this interview with him here. And truly the audience, you could have heard a pin drop the respect that he has with the audience here. And we talked about the trauma that he'd been through with his accident and some of the things. And, and I'm like, I'm like blubbering away. <laughs> it was just terrible, eh? But uh, he's, he's just lent himself to just be so passionate and so honest about everything that he, he gave you. you know, yeah. He was just, he's a good bugger, eh? Yeah. Just before we wind things up here on this Racing World special from Lucas Oil Western Spring Speedway, one last comment for you. Okay. This one's... Aimed at both of you. We'll start with you, Nick. Oh, something else that's very unique at Western Springs: the fans. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I can talk uh, like this about being a latecomer to it uh, in uh, the early '90s, and have been coming ever since. There is something about the the racing is hugely exciting. The people that come here, and this is, comes down to the fans. Just, it's a place you want to be. On Boxing Day, I would much rather be at Western Springs. Yeah sharing all the Christmas memories than with my own family. Because this is my family. And the fans, uh, the fans are just like the extended family. (laughs) I try and bring them along, but uh, I don't know know why they don't come down. But this is a lovely place to be. Um, The fans are brilliant. They're also um, very um, open with their um, suggestions, not only to (laughs) me, uh, but also to some of the drivers and to the track prep. So there is, they take... So much interest in the place. There is a real passion for this place. And if you can ever get here, it'll take about 12 seconds and you'll be a fan for life too. Graham, you've probably had some fan impressions, shall we say? Yeah, I have. I've, had, I've, had, I've, I've been able, just like my forehead, I've been able to split the, the audience <laughs> into two. So I've had the sort of the pro, the fans and the anti-fans. But um, I'm going to go one step further. Nick's sort of covered it off, but I'm actually going to say about the place here in New Zealand and Western Springs... Um, I often ask people that have been here for the first time to take a look around and say, well, what do you think? You know, we've got 15,000 people here, 10,000 people. We've got alcohol for sale. We've got all these things here. I say to the people, what's the only thing missing? And they sort of look around, they look around, they sort of squint like this. And I say, you know what it is? When you get a gathering of this many people and such a family environment, if you go to any other form of... um, environment where there's this many people you can't let your kids out of your sight yep. he said here yep. the kids can go down to the pits they can talk to the drivers there's an interaction like that but I said the one thing that's missing here and we don't need it is the police and they say yeah you're right how do we get that many people if you go to a football game or a rugby game or a league game or anything like that there's a huge security or police presence, um, presence in the yeah. audience we don't need it here at Western Springs it's such the environment such the place and um yeah, so far as fans and anti-fans, I mean, they go at each other in the audience. They, they, they'd leave me alone on occasion and, and have a crack at someone else. But absolutely, that's my impression of the place, and that's why 
um, why I love it so much. Yeah. Well, guys, it's, it's been a great to have what has become quite a short chat, really, about life here at Western Springs. Maybe we'll need to do it again in the future. I think so. um, you know, but to hear some of the stories, uh, pay tribute to some of the legends that are not only racing on Legends Night, but ones that have been here prior to them as well. Um, and great to share some memories. So, thank you very much for your time. On behalf of me, as well as many people know, I also produced the coverage here this night. It's been a privilege to work with both of you this year. We've had a great time, we've made some great television. Uh, I'd like to thank you both very much for that. It's been a big deal. And then I invited you along to a little podcast show as well. So thanks for coming to that one. And for people, once again, don't forget to share, like and subscribe to Racing World. Uh, we'll have the links to the YouTube channel as well. Really take uh, time to have a look at that. There's a lot of Western Springs content there if you want to know more about Western Springs. And uh, once again, thanks very much for watching Racing World. Racing World.